If you like saving money and enjoying delicious food, excellent beverage options, head on down to the Handlebar right here at 2070 East 20th Street in Chico, California, right in the heart of Southwest Chico. Yeah, that works. Somewhere over there. Anyways, it's a great spot. They've got an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get money off of craft beer and cocktails and half-off bottle of wine if that's your thing. It is patio weather in Chico, and they've got a beautiful one. And they are all ages. Take the family, get a beer, get a burger. Enjoy yourself. Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Johnny Summers, have you ever wanted to pour just two ounces of beer to try it out? Frequently. Well, my friend, I've got a place where you can do that. You can also pour three ounces, four ounces, 16 ounces, however many ounces your heart desires. And that's at the Commons right here in Chico, down at 2412 Park Avenue. They are a lovely craft beer bar where you show up, you give them a little card, they give you a card back, and then you scan it at their taps, and you can pour as much beer as you'd like. And then you can try all the different beers they have on tap. They have a great selection. They also have our Madness bracket right up. So go grab a beer at the Commons, vote in Madness, and then go back when you're done. It's a great place. The Commons right here in Chico. 2412 Park Avenue. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast right here in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. This week on the show, we have our review of the new horror film, In the Earth, from director Ben Wheatley, starring Joel Fry and Elora Torchia, as a duo who set off into an ominous forest in search of a missing scientist. That is right, my friend. We've also got beers from El Segundo Brewing Company. The first is a pale ale that was double dry hopped with citra, and the second is an IPA called the 105. As a reminder, voting in the championship round of Beer Madness is open until this Wednesday, the 28th at noon. If you don't know, that's our March Madness-style single elimination tournament where we put New England IPAs head-to-head, and in this final round, you get to decide which one will reign supreme this year. Will it be Greengate from Secret Trail or Num Num Juice from Fall River Brewing? To all of our listeners on KZFR, you'll be hearing our review of that pale ale and the first portion of our discussion of In the Earth, which will, of course, be spoiler-free for anyone who hasn't had the chance to catch up with it yet. To hear the full discussion, find this episode plus more than 200 other film and beer conversations dating all the way back to 2016 at any of the following places. You can check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a rating or review. That'd be much appreciated. Uh, or any other place that quality podcasts are found. That's right. If you want to find a very cool collection of sexy pictures, you can follow us on Instagram at Fresh Hop Cinema. If you're more of a movie review kind of person, find us on Letterboxd. And a beer review person, find us on Untapped. All of it's at Fresh Hop Cinema. Do you want to cast your vote in Beer Madness? You should definitely check out our virtual home at www.freshhopcinema.com. If you want to write us more than a sentence or two, or even want to send in a voicemail to the show that we might play or get a shout out, you never know. Send us an email at fhccast at gmail.com. To all of our friends on Patreon, keep your eyes peeled because the day that you hear this in our main podcast feed, that's Friday the 23rd, look in your Patreon feed and you will get our Oscar predictions bonus episode. We just recorded that. Um, went through all of the main categories. I think we did um, maybe 19 out of the 23. Johnny, do you want to take a minute and uh, go through some of our, our favorites? Or do you want to just uh, make them listen to the episode since it's out today? Uh, let's let's make them listen. Let's let's leave them in okay, suspense. Great. Uh, Johnny also had the idea. If you're if you're a, a follower of our bonus content most of the time, you know it comes out on Sundays. So the fact that it's out today is a little bit unusual. Johnny was like, "Well, we should get people a chance to submit their own Oscar ballots." So you can. There is a link in that bonus content. You can fill one out, email it to us. It could be a lot of fun. Um, the Oscars are this Sunday, the twenty fifth, uh, in the evening. So get it in before that. We can all. Uh, brag to each other that we got things right or feel dumb for getting things wrong. Uh, it's all good no matter what. Do we have any other Patreon notes, dude? Uh, late shout out. Happy birthday. Brandon Duran had a birthday this week. Oh, good looking out. Yeah. Also, so did Brian Canabrocki of The Handlebar. I believe they have oh, birthdays nice. on the same day. So happy birthday wow. to both of you. They're all born on my wedding anniversary. Look <laughs> Is that why you did it that day? It was to honor them. <laughs> All right, my friend, I think that's all the housekeeping we have. It's time for beer. Like we mentioned, we're drinking beers from El Segundo Brewing Company. Would you tell me the last time we covered El Segundo? Yes, I'm so excited. This is my favorite day of the podcast year. It's El Segundo Day. 
once a year we get to feature them. It's been a year since we've done them. The last time that we covered them was episode 156, way back when. That was, I want to say, right around this time in 2020. And we covered Mayberry IPA, as well as a beer from East Brother Brewing. Uh, That's right. We both rated rated them pretty high. Uh, Mayberry was unanimously uh, a 10. It was a perfect IPA for both me and Max. Dude, it was so good. I remember at the time, too. I don't think that certainly to that point in the year we'd we'd both landed on ten. I don't know if either one of us had given out a ten. So ever since that's been like in our memories, like it's it's this like pandemic kickoff perfect ten beer that I drank several times over the course of the last year during the pandemic. Same. And every time it was just like oh, I get a little bit of reassurance, like the world's a little bit unsure right now. And and in all of this uncertainty, I find this little sixteen ounce can of deliciousness that I know I can rely on which is Mayberry IPA from El Segundo. So I guess all that to say, I've got high hopes for the beers today. Um, but I can't imagine they're going to be as good as Mayberry, right? I don't know, man. I hope so. That's why like, <laughs> yeah. that's why breweries get you hooked because you get this beer that's like perfection that you have nostalgia for. And then you keep trying all their beers because you're like, maybe it's as good. Maybe yeah. it's good in a different way. Maybe I'll fall in love with this one too. And you know, certain breweries like this one and also for me like Pizza Port, Oh, sure. They don't miss very much with their hoppy beers. And so I don't know if it'll be as good as Mayberry, but I know that I'm really excited to find out. This is a brewery that I am very, very fond of. I liked them before they were on my radar, back before we did Mayberry. But since then, I keep a sharp eye out for fresh releases from these guys. And I cannot wait. And I cannot wait any longer. Max, we need to start drinking some beer. Yeah, so this first one is called Double Dry Hopped Citra Pale Ale. That is the actual name of the beer. It's a pale ale. It's 5.5%, and it says this on their website. There's a lot of different hops out there to choose from, but it's not often you find a hop with an aroma and flavor so intense you have no choice but to name a beer after it. And for us, that's this beer here. It's a straightforward American pale ale with just a touch of Vienna malt and an irresponsible amount of dry hopping with the aforementioned hop. To truly enjoy this unique aromatic experience, don't drink from the can. Pour it vivaciously into your favorite glass. You'll be glad you did. Johnny, have you poured it vivaciously into your favorite glass? Oh, the vivaciousness of my pour <laughs> shall vibrate throughout the ether. Okay, I'm going to open mine, but tell me about what, uh, what you're experiencing. My God. Young Maxwell, this, this beer is a problem. This is so good. So immediately when I read Double Dry Hopped Citra Pale Ale, I assumed that there would be some haze to it, maybe some juice. Oh. Because a lot of the time with Double Dry Hop beers, they don't filter them, and you end up with a Double Dry Hop giving you haze and extra juicy flavors and extra depth in that regard. So I was skeptical to say the least about this beer because I wasn't sure if it was going to be stylistically in line with what I usually expect from this brewery. What I've been presented with is the complete opposite. It is shockingly clear and crisp and bright and so incredibly, maybe irresponsibly bitter and dry hopped, but man, I like it. This is a really clean drinking experience. It's super dry, but then it kind of leaves your mouth watering a little too. It's very confusing. Uh, Excellent drinking experience, though. This is a really good beer. I am super into this one. Have you poured? Yeah. Have you vivaciously poured? I poured I poured slightly less than vivaciously. I think I poured a little bit. I've got a bit of a taster glass, so I didn't pour too much just yet. But it looks, you know, yeah, to, to branch off what you're saying, like, it looks more like a Pilsner than certainly a hazy IPA. I think also what you're talking about with the double dry hopping lending itself to juiciness, particularly lately, like, it just feels like there's been a huge movement towards the direction of hazy beers. And to increase that sort of aroma, people have been doing a lot of double dry hopping. But in my experience, most of my favorite double dry hop beers are West Coast IPAs because you mm-hmm. get that lovely hop aroma. I also think Citra is um, a pretty common one to do that with. So I'm, I haven't tasted it yet, but um, I'm I'm expecting something pretty solid. Like it's, you know, given what we've all just what we've talked about the past couple of minutes, El Segundo and whatnot. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But no, I'm about to sip it for the first time. Yeah, this beer is not only uh, solid and just absolutely fundamentally sound in its execution and its craftsmanship. I think this excels. This is way beyond just fine. This beer is really, really, really good. So I think the other thing that is is really so I've tried it by the way. Um, it's very, very good. Like you said, this is, was canned on um, March thirtieth, so we're drinking it just about three weeks old. So great, great fresh beer. Um, I like that it's only five and a half percent. 
right? And maybe it's just because we're coming off of those Dust Bowl beers last week, which were, I think, 9% and 14.5%. But mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something really nice about it. Being like, yeah, look, here's a really hoppy beverage um, that isn't quite a... It's not quite a session IPA vibe, but it's like a really light pale ale that is just focusing on its flavors and not necessarily trying to knock you off your seat. It's just like, here you go. Enjoy this delicious drink that isn't going to kill you. And I think this it's like the perfect, it's like 90 degrees out today also, and just feels like a really great approach that it's taking to me. I was like, yeah, come on up. Let's, let's hop into my mouth. It sounds great. Yeah. And just an absolutely wonderful showcase of the Citra hop. I mean, it, like the malts and everything else in this beer, let this hop shine through. You're not getting any overbearing, you know, like they said, there's a little bit of of the, uh, where where was it? Where the Vienna malt, yeah. which could give it a bit of the Vienna malt that could give it a bit of that uh, lagery or pilsnery type flavor as well. I think but, it does, right? Are you getting that too? I was just yeah. looking up Vienna malt to like see maybe some uh, popular beers that use it. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely in those sort of like um, German lagers tend to use Vienna malt quite a bit. And, and that flavor is definitely here. Yeah, it's there, but it also really complements and kind of helps push those citra hop flavors forward and it gives it just this really nice balanced drinking experience there is really not a lot i don't like about this beer man yeah i want to say this part might be a little bit off base and the caveat i will throw out is that um this week in chico has been particularly rough with allergies so i think like i'm a little congested my palate's a little bit off but um i almost want to say that some of that bright sort of citrusy stuff that you'd normally get from a beer focusing on citra hops is mellowed out a little bit on the on the top end are you getting that yeah, it's not as aggressive. Like when they say irresponsibly hop, yeah. I would think that like this is going to be a hop bomb. But I think with the dry hopping, you get way more of the, I don't know, the, the science-y word for it. But like the, the terpenes or whatever that give it more of, you get the hop flavor, but not the bitterness. Yeah, I think that's that's some of the things that I've found most confusing about the the descriptions of beers that use double dry hopping in, in that description. Because it's like double dry hopped. And if you, you do a quick Google search for double dry hopping, the basic school of thought is that... Um, if you add your hops late into your brewing process with less heat, uh, you get less of the bitterness you would get from adding them early on and more of the aroma. But then they say things like, they say things that beers with super hot bitterness also say like irresponsible amounts of hops, like bite you in the butt. Like, and so it's a little confusing. Um, but the way that I think of it and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is a good starting point is that like dry hopping is a bit like making cold brew, um, where if you think of cold brew coffee being the more mellow, smooth, kind of sweet version of hot brewed coffee, that's kind of the same thing, where if you add your hops early on, you get different flavor characteristics out of it. And if you add them later on um, in your secondary fermentation or further on even than that, you get more of the aroma and and some of the sweetness and, and those less aggressive hop characteristics. Yeah, exactly. Just more of the flavor, less of the the astringency or the bitterness, which yeah. I like that. I totally. like that. And I like it in this beer. Yeah, I think if it were any, like a five and a half percent beer is great for double dry hopping. Like I, I kind of want some really intense bitterness and some stronger beers. Like if you get in like the seven percent and above, like I'll, I'll take some bitterness. Sure. But again, on like a mid-April day that's somehow 90 degrees in Northern California, I want this light drinking five and a half pale ale. That's great. Yeah. There's not much I don't like about it either. No, this beer is fire. Um, I suppose the question should be asked, how does it compare to Mayberry for you? Nothing compares to me. <laughs> it's fair. Um, beer's on a pedestal, bud. I will say, while I agree with that, because they are sort of similar labels, if I had accidentally grabbed this and I thought I was grabbing Mayberry and I got home, like I wouldn't go back to the store to exchange it. No, I'd be like, okay. I'm not, dance, yeah, babe. I'm not sure if that speaks to my laziness or the quality of the beer, but either way, I'm drinking this beer. Well, I mean, it's a very reputable brewery that since they've gained prominence in our eyes has not done much to disappoint us. Yeah, so I for feel sure. like just on their merit alone, you're going to try just like me. I'm going to try anything I find from them. Yeah. If it's like under two months old and it's from them, like I'm going to buy it. Yes. I think that's correct. Me too. So yeah. Well, I like it. You like it. Let's say we rate it. Okay. I will go first. It's a real solid beer. I'm going to, I think I'm going to land. I'm going to land on an eight, eight out of 10. It's super good. I would happily drink it again. Um, not, not obviously their best offering, but it may a, it's a tough one to beat. So I think eight's a really respectable rating. What about you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to judge this in the realm of pale ales in which it it's resides. True. I can't really put That's this up true. against IPAs from them. Uh, I will put it, you know, kind of judge it against their whole portfolio. Like, is it the best beer that El Segundo does? No. Is it the best pale that the pale ale that they do? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Uh, is it one of the better pale ales available on the market right now? 
Definitely. Yeah. So this beer is an eight five for me. I think it's it's worth traveling for. It's worth seeking out, especially fresh, uh, and especially just the fact that we can just drive down the road here in Chico and pick it up for about four bucks a can at Spike's Bottle Shop or any of the other good bottle shops around town. I've seen it all over. So four bucks just down the street. It's three weeks old and it's an eight point five. It's world class double dry hot pale ale. Go buy it. You're silly if you're not. Yeah, I guess we also didn't say this because it didn't seem like we needed to, but El Segundo Brewing Company is out of El Segundo, California. In case anybody was wondering, it's down south, um, which is all just to say like the fact that it is distributed up all the way to Chico, like it's probably everywhere between Chico and like San Diego also. Yeah, it's probably got a pretty good presence, but I'm so stoked that we're getting consistent distribution of it here. Yeah, Ugh, I, yeah, so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, four bucks for a pint can is is a wild deal. That's great, man. Did they have it available in four packs or was it only singles? I don't recall. All right, but you bought singles. Yeah. yeah okay, great. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you get a chance to try Double Dry Hop Citra from El Segundo, which, quite frankly, we think you should, please let us know what you think. Give us an email at fhccast at gmail.com. That's right. Okay, we're going to play you a trailer for a new film called In the Earth. If you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. We're not going to spoil it, but we'll talk about our initial thoughts right after this trailer, so don't go anywhere. He told me his story. These are his memories. Can you feel him now? In the Earth. No, I don't know what you mean. I think you do. So what are you working on? Searching ways of making crops more efficient. Funny place to study crops in a forest. We had to send a rescue party in to get a group out a couple of months ago. They got lost. Why didn't they use GPRS? There's no fun reception in there. People get a bit funny in the woods sometimes. You've worried she's going to get you? Yeah, who is it? It's a local folktale. She's the spirit of the woods. Wake up. Something's there. Listen. Someone's watching us. something in the woods. It wants to talk. What do you want? Everything seems to just keep us here. As the world searches for a cure to a devastating virus, a scientist and a park scout venture deep into the woods. As night falls, their journey becomes a terrifying voyage through the heart of darkness as the forest comes to life around them. That's right. That is the sort of generic internet synopsis of a film in the earth, which you just heard the trailer for. It was written and directed by Ben Wheatley, uh, who's been making films for quite a while, a couple decades. The only one I've seen is Free Fire back in 2016. But in the earth stars Joel Fry. He plays Martin Lowry. Uh, He goes into the forest with Alma, played here by Alora Tochia. And then Haley Squires plays Olivia Wendell. She's a scientist that has gone missing. And we also have a fella named Zach, played by Reese Shearsmith. This movie came out at Sundance earlier uh, in January of 2021. And it came out in theaters, at least theaters that were open in towns on April 16th. Um, so it's just uh, just about a week old at the time of this recording. And it runs an hour and seven minutes. Johnny Summers, we were sort of juggling between two movies this week. Both were horror movies. Both were, uh, in other words, of a genre that I have a hard time going to see in theaters by myself, but I had to anyways. So before I get into my thoughts on my experience with this film, uh, what were yours? Yeah, so I I had a bit of background on this movie, but I wasn't really sure what to expect. And I think that was kind of a good way to go into this. Uh, what we found ourselves watching was somewhere between like a pandemic horror film and like a psychological, like body grimy seventies horror film. One Mm. of those kind of like marathon, like you win a prize if you can sit through it type films. Yeah. Um, Very high suspense, high stakes, 
Also, some interesting themes were presented. I thought it was interestingly written. I mean, we'll get into a bit more in the danger zone about my thoughts on the third act because I think it it kind of just falls apart, but I think not without intention. I think it has some really interesting themes as far as uh, the connectivity of nature in all mm-hmm. things, and there's some really overarching themes that are not very particularly th- veiled. They're kind of upfront about what the themes of this are. You don't have to dig too deep to find the metaphor. I think the interesting parts of this movie come in the interactions between all of the characters. I mean, at certain points, actually a lot of points really, this is pretty much a hostage drama. I think that's safe to say and not very spoilery. And I think that those relationships and the, the nature of the suspense with like some, you know, pre-Christian pagan mythology and like crazy things happening in the forest yeah. and you know, some really interesting things happening and happening to these people both from the presence of these other characters and also things in the forest. I think it it leaves you with a really confusing, disorienting kind of scattered impression of this movie, but I think Again, some of that is is delivered intentionally. Uh, I think it was a, a captivating movie. I think that the the plot and the story was was very interesting. And uh, like I said, the third act, I have issues with it a bit, but we'll get into that. But overall, uh, I liked this movie. It was definitely not the cliche like uh, people in the woods horror movie that I was half expecting and half dreading. Uh, there were definitely you know, notes of like some, a little bit of like the saw movies, but with better writing and better intent. Mm. Um, but yeah, there, there were shades also of like the shining big time. Sure. There was yeah. several, like almost outright homages to the shining that I, I appreciated. And I also enjoyed the way oh. that they were used as devices in this film. So, um, was it a perfectly executed film? No, but was it thought provoking visually really pleasing at points? And, uh, gut churning at others. Yeah. I mean, I think overall I was pretty not, I wasn't hot on this movie. I was yeah. definitely above lukewarm though. I enjoyed this movie. I think it was, it was pretty interesting and I think it, it sparked some interesting conversation after and yeah, that's what I thought, man. I, I enjoyed it. What did you think? How was your viewing experience? Well, so I didn't, I was also not super hot on this movie. Like I mentioned, we were kind of talking between two movies in the beginning. One, uh, one was, I think it was called the unholy is what we almost saw. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think our reasoning and you threw this out, you were like, you know, I've seen enough sort of generic possession movies and I'm like, that's a good point. Like we should see something new. And this definitely wasn't a possession movie or, or, you know, maybe the most done thing, but I, you mentioned it had a lot of homages to the shining. And I think that's a really polite way of putting it. Um, for me, this movie felt like a diluted, worse executed version of movies. Certainly The Shining a bit, but it owes a lot to, um, I think it was 2018's Annihilation. It was an Alex Garland film where um, Natalie Portman played a scientist. There was like an incur- or like an encouraged, what is the word I'm for? Encouraging? Encouraging? <laughs> you know. Incursion. It's not sure. Of an alien presence, they have to go in like the force has sort of taken over the living creatures. Do you remember talking about that movie? Uh, vaguely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's another film in 2017 called the ritual where a group of friends go into the forest and there's all this sort of folklore about like monsters in the forest. And this movie kind of feels like an amalgamation of both of those, but mm-hmm. executed in, in a much worse way. Like it's fine. I just wish that it had more originality. Like if you had never seen those movies, this would probably, or if I had never seen them, this might've been more interesting to me. Um, all that said, like it was a fine watch. Um, I think Joel Fry does a pretty good job. Again, he plays Martin here, and he's he's been in a couple things, mostly side characters, but the dynamic between uh, him and Alora Torchia's, Torchia's character, Alma, is pretty good. And like, I was, I don't know, I was a little bit bummed because it starts off with a very much, like a very strong pandemic feeling. Like he arrives to this sort of, um, uh, you know, not abandoned, but really remote uh, science facility. And like, I haven't seen a movie that really addresses the pandemic since COVID started. Um, and I was hoping we'd get more of that, but they pretty quickly set off into the forest and then it becomes more of a, you know, what it becomes, which we'll talk about later. But I thought it was okay, man. Like, I don't think I'm going to revisit it. I didn't love it. I think some of the performances were pretty good. Um, and some of the, the filmmaking stuff, some of the, 
I don't actually don't think I've seen this in a movie either. There's a title card that says, Hey, heads up for epilepsy. Usually that's like outside mm-hmm. the theater, but they put it in this movie. Cause there's a lot of that. It just feels like a case where the director, Ben Wheatley maybe feels like he's smarter than he is. And like, he's trying to be real sly and, and real inventive with some of the stuff, but it just doesn't land for people that have a little to any background on, on sort of the history of this type of story. Yeah, I think that's a really fair assessment. I felt like this movie was a bit pretentious at more than one point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, and I I don't think this is giving too much away. Once we get into sort of the exposition side of things where we're like, here's here's what one character thinks is happening in the forest. And it gets really, it tries to get really sciencey to the point where like they're inventing so many things. There's no way a normal person could fact check it. So we just kind of have to buy in. But there's so many different schools of thoughts, like part of it's like science and part of it's like magic and spirits of the forest and energy and like all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know, man, it was a big bite and I, I had a hard time swallowing it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. It, it delves pretty deep into the lore and the mythology fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot to have to digest and try and keep track of and like and also remember like these strange words at the beginning uh, as far as like how they relate later on. So, I mean... That was one of my main problems with the the plot in general was it was always kind of vague. Like I found myself wondering at, at one point, like, okay, why are they here again? Like, why are we in the forest? You know what I mean? Like yeah. in the initial stages, I'm like, if you missed like one sentence and you didn't catch why Joel Fry's character is going into the woods, you're just kind of like. Totally. I guess we're gone. Well, I, I, I guess we're in the woods now, guys. This is where we live now. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. No, it's just it is it is rife with problems, and I I agree with you that I'm probably not going to revisit it anytime soon. Yeah. So early on, and I thought this was, and it was a creative decision. I, I guess I'll leave it leave it there. I'm not going to take that away from them. But the editing, particularly early on, the editing here was done by Ben Wheatley also, which I think says a lot to sort of the cohesiveness of this guy's vision for better or for worse. He's like, I, I know what I'm going for, and it's very sporadic. Like you're saying, like he gets to um, Joel Martin gets to this lodge, and he's like, All right, we're here. Lots of testing for this mysterious virus that feels a lot like COVID. And then like all of a sudden we're in the woods and then like we're moving forward. And like these things happen almost like, it's almost like Ben Wheatley thought he wouldn't have enough time to let any of this marinate. So he just like cuts between every shot so quickly. And at some points that works, like some of that um, bright light flashy stuff, I think should be shot like that. But so much of my favorite stuff about horror movies is being able to sit in that mood and the moment he creates a mood, he takes it away and we move on. And that's so ineffective to me. Like, it just I didn't ever have a chance to really sink into it. That's really fair, man. And there was a lot of layers that you have to get through before you can sink into it. And I don't think it ever really got that far in, like, a comfortable way. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. It does. It does to me. Um, probably not to people that haven't seen it. But the other thing that won't make sense to people that maybe haven't seen it is the movie starts off with um, a shot through what looks like a stone hole. Um, and that stone hole is part of a larger, larger sort of monolith that kind of functions something as a MacGuffin. Like the characters are trying to figure out what the deal is. Um, it's on the the cover of the, of the poster, the movie poster. Um, and that, I don't know, man, I have a hard time whenever it comes to like these ancient things in nature that have never been on a map. It's like Bigfoot, but, but way more sciencey, at least with a Bigfoot movie, you could be like, there's a Bigfoot out there. We're gonna go find him here. It's like, we have to figure out why the stone, not just what the stone, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was very tiresome to me. I also saw this kind of late at night and I showed up a little bit, uh, you know, later than I would have liked to. So I had a beer in the lobby of the theater and I drank it pretty quick. So I got caught a quick buzz seeing this, um, which maybe helped, maybe hurt. I remember you saying this might've been a two drink movie, which is a good barometer sometimes for films like, I don't know, the lighthouse. Great example mm-hmm. of a two drink movie. <laughs> um, at least. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you're a, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's not for everybody. I don't think it's for me, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine, man. Do you want to give in the earth a rating out of 10, my friend? Uh, I do. Okay. I will go first. Um, and I think for me, it's, you know, let's say a five, I guess it wasn't the most horrible thing to watch. I'm not going to revisit it. Uh, in fact, I'm going to change that five to a four because that's how I'm feeling today. Uh, what about you out of 10? Out of 10 for me, it was like a 4.5, if I'm being perfectly 4. honest. 4.5. That's a pretty good, I mean, it's a pretty, not good, it's accurate to what you've been describing. I think that's that's probably pretty fair. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, again, that's In the Earth. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you've seen In the Earth, we want to hear what you think, so get in touch. Find us on social media, at Fresh Hop Cinema, or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com, 
or you can just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com, for film reviews, beer reviews, the last round of Beer Madness, and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. To all of our KZFR listeners, the full-length version of today's conversation will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., wherever quality podcasts are found. And to all of our podcast listeners, we'll be right back after this. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. If you've never heard this part of the show before, it's where we spoil the movie by talking about it like most of us have all just seen it. Depending on the movie, we might have to catch you up on some certain scenes, but oftentimes we don't know where this conversation is going to go. This is one of those times. So, Johnny Summers, where do you want to pick up with talking about In the Earth? Well, man, this movie tried a little too hard, and it just made me want to do drugs in the woods. So, <laughs> Can I say that I saw this on 420? Yes. And I'm not like a 420 person, but I made a joke I was like, because nobody wanted to go with me. So I was like, what if I just saw this by myself and, and smoked weed before? And then I saw the movie, and I was like, I am so glad I did not do that. Because again, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do well with horror movies in general. I also don't do well on weed. I guess I thought that, like those two things would cancel out and I'd have a great time, but I'm uh, <laughs> pretty sure that would have been a terrible experience. Um, well, maybe two things that I don't enjoy will equal one thing I do. Two, it's like, you know, it's like electricity or, or uh, morals. Water? Two wrongs do make a right. Um, right. So I actually kind of want to know, because like, we both enjoyed this movie for a time. Where did you start sort of losing steam? Yeah, once they got to the Olivia Wendell mm. camp, okay, played by Haley Squires, yep. things just fell apart. And like, I liked some of her delivery. She was like just ominous without being very interesting. Yeah, which was like that's, that's cool. We yeah. have them like you have a mad scientist personality. In the yeah, <laughs> and like they're just boring. Like we we worked all the way here, and we've just got a boring mad scientist. So I think what they were going for is like more of what you said first, like the ominous sort of thing. But it didn't come off as ominous. It was more just like yeah, like uh, like we got to get out of here. But there's no real rush. There's like this annoying smoke around us. But like also stop talking to us. You're kind of boring us to death. Uh, Olivia Wendell, doctor person. Also, I think the connecting the love story with them, or was it a love story with Martin and Olivia? Were they? I don't know, man. They just like wrote, but they were pen pals. I didn't understand that either. Like again, that's part of them not giving it time to marinate. Like I don't really understand the dynamics between these characters. Um, yeah, but for me, it like I was in for most of like the Blair Witchy stuff, right? Like they leave, yeah. and like their camp gets destroyed. Very cool, very mysterious. At this point, I'm like, is there a monster in the forest? Are they being punked? Is Ashton Kutcher going to jump out? What's the deal? And then we meet Zach, and pretty quickly, as an audience member, we're like, well, we can't trust him, obviously. Mm -hmm. And these characters are like, maybe for, for the purposes of storytelling, we can definitely trust him. Fine, I'm with that. Then one thing leads to another. The thing where I was like, it feels like this happens in horror movies a lot. There's always one character, or sometimes all the characters, that are like, let's we could do this one thing and then leave, or we could just do the full thing and end our problems. In this case kill Zach. He's clearly trying to kill you. And there's like, let's hit him with something and run. Why don't mm -hmm. you just finish him off? You know, like let's hit him once. Just and hit him a couple him times. Uh, th that's for me is like, I hate those, those sort of willful neglecting of, of what I would consider logic in those situations. Like I'm not trying to kill yeah. Zach in my day to day life, but if I'm in their scenario and he's like drugging me to do some midsummer type ritual on me, fuck you, man, you are, you're dead in my book. Yeah. If I get the jump on you, you're going down, down to Chinatown. Yes. And I'm going to be free in the forest. Also kind of uh, bullshit on them sawing through those thick ropes with a hacksaw blade that yeah. quickly. I don't know. That seemed a little, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And like, I liked some of the stuff that was left to the imagination, but also we needed a bit more illustration on a lot of it, which yes. was like, there was just, it left me not with this, you know, done right, that can be good. It can, you know, leaving things to the imagination and letting the, the audience member yeah. fill in their own gaps. That can be effectively executed. Dude, but yeah. in this movie, it just felt like I was not getting, like, enough to make this a whole movie. Like, this movie relied on the suspense of, like, what fucked up thing was going to happen to that poor guy's foot next. Yes. And then also, like, the crazy drug visuals that were just blasted in, like... Yeah. Like you're getting just eye raped by a kaleidoscope. Yeah. Um, which were really cool, by the way. I, I, I guess like those, that, probably my favorite part of the it movie. It looked those cool. were just 
Sorry, go ahead. Okay, yeah, it was just so neat. It was just so cool. And like the very last one too, when it was all spinny and like actually kaleidoscopy. Yeah. I'm, I've totally never not been sober and stared at videos like that on YouTube right. for six hours. I just think in this situation, it's one of those, like, it's a cool visual. Like you got me there, but it, the, the function does not serve the form of this movie. Like I, he, it's like he had this idea of like a double exposure or triple exposure type video thing where you get these overlaid images, which is, yeah, out of context. Sure. If you showed that to me, awesome. But it doesn't make sense in the context of this movie, like a lot of things like, and, and I think this is what it comes down to. It's the tonal differences here. Like you have the first maybe hour of the movie or maybe 45 minutes where it's like haunted forest, um, psychological stuff. Then it becomes mm-hmm. like a hostage thing, like you said. And then it turns into like otherworldly sort of like sci-fi to some extent, like the body horror thing you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And none of that's cohesive. So when you get things like the sciencey body horror stuff overlaying the hostage stuff or any of that intermix, like it doesn't work. Um, partially because there's no clear delineation between those, um, uh, let's say chapters. Speaking of which, there were these really almost TV-like black cuts. Did you notice those? There were like four or five, which actually makes yeah. me feel good about saying chapters because that's kind of what it felt like. But yeah. they were, seemed to be pretty randomly placed. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a rewatch would lend some uh, knowledge to that, but I, I kind of think maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. But also like as a person that enjoys horror films in general, like pick a style, man. Like you're totally you're all over the map. Like uh, I actually read a review and I can't remember who it's by, but it had a good point that was um, this stalker movie would have been a lot better with a stalker. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, any of the devices in the genre that you're going for, like the devices that make those work in all of the genres you're trying to improvise on none of those important devices are present. No. You know, the psychological horror didn't go deep enough. Yeah. The, the slasher stalker horror didn't go deep enough with the Zach character. Nope. The, the macabre pagan science ritual stuff really didn't go very deep other than like, a, like two scenes where we just got crazy acid visuals and then nothing really yeah. got tied together. So it's like, it took stabs in several directions and was just trying to be smarter than it needed to be. Agreed. And it ended up being a bit too head scratchy and not enjoyable enough as a movie. Yeah. I also didn't really understand this. So like they get abducted by Zach or whatever, and then they escape. Yeah. And then they are rescued um, by the scientist, by Olivia Wendell's character. Uh, And we learn later, not rescued. Her and Zach have been working together for a while, but why, why the pageantry? Why the theater? Why would she like, I don't understand why not just like team up and catch those two people. If you're Olivia and Zach, why not just capture Martin and Alma? Then you don't have to go through all these hoops to catch them. Yeah. Well, cause he wanted to take pictures first, but after that, like he takes his pictures, then they escape. And then like she distracts him with her flashing lights and big sounds and then saves them. It's like, why are you saving them? If you're just going to team up with Zach 20 minutes later. Well, I feel like part of that was like, he was leading them to her because he saw the speakers. Like, yeah, right. I think he was just leading them to her and maybe in order for them to trust her. Yeah, maybe. It would be, it would be immediately, she's the bad guy if he just delivered them to her tied up. But I, but, so but, the whole point was them to like take the sacrament like willingly and like help her with her research and all oh. that shit. Did they, did they have to take it willingly? Yeah. Okay. Well, then that, okay. Then that checks out. Well played. So, yeah. Um, there's So there's a scene towards the end where um, Alma kills Zach with, um, what does she use? Like a like a tent spike or something? Mm-hmm. And she sticks it in his eye. And this is actually, this is a very funny moment. Not just the funniest moment in this movie, but I thought a very funny moment. Because it doesn't kill him right away. He's like sticking out of his eyeball in a really satisfying, like gory way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like looking at it in a mirror. And this whole time, Zach or um, Martin, when he got his foot messed up, he's like, Zach, you got to take me to a hospital. He's like, no, 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 I got it. No hospital. It's too far. Couldn't do it. Can't go to a hospital. Nothing. And he's yep. looking at his eye and he's like, I think I can, I got it. I can do it. And she goes, or he goes, all right, you got to take me to a hospital. And yep. was, that was, that was a very satisfying comedic line. I thought I laughed. Yeah. Yeah. There were definitely a few funny moments, but it was fine. It yeah. wasn't anything to make, make it stand out. What was the grossest moment in this horror or like, like gore wise? Cause there were a couple, right? Uh, I think for me personally, his cut, his infected foot stitched up. Yeah, it's bad. 
I mean, the the chopping off the toes was pretty bad, but the the infected or when he was stitching it up the first time, maybe yes. too. Like I felt that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But yeah. The the yeah. chop. I forgot about the chopping off the toes. Yeah. But like the whole scene of the chopping was filmed in such a kind of comedic way. Where like Zach yeah. is kind of like talking casually, like, oh, hold still, you're gonna make me mess it up. And then he chops off two and he's like, I missed. This is your fault. Hold still. And he does it again. And the camera doesn't cut away either time. So it really mm-hmm. connects on a visceral sort of feeling level. Like I felt you know, a feeling you get like in your stomach when you go over railroad tracks. Like, oh yeah. Ugh. You're just cringing <laughs> and just like, oh my yeah. tummy is uneasy. Yeah. Yeah. So and also Zach was like low rent Taiko Waititi, and I didn't like that. Oh, uh, was that the deal? I didn't get that vibe. I got that vibe, especially when he was trying to be funny. I was like, sure, sure. Oh, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, you got any other thoughts on In the Earth? Nah, I think I'm there, man. Okay. I didn't write down your rating. Mine was a four. What'd you say? Mine was like four or five. Four or five. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, yeah. Again, we weren't blowing smoke earlier. If you do see it and you liked it or dislike it or you agree or disagree with us, let us know. It's always fun to hear uh, from you guys. We'd appreciate it. Um, Johnny Summers, I think it's time for another beer. What do you say we take another quick break? Yep, I'll go grab my beer. Welcome back from that lovely little break. We're back with beer number two. Johnny Summers, tell me what it is called, what it is, and how much alcohol is in it. It's the 105 IPA. We got a West Coast IPA from once again, El Segundo, our featured brewery of the week. This bad boy clocks in at 7.1% ABV. From their website, I imagine, I read. When we discovered Idaho 7, it was love at first sight. To highlight this hop variety, we bursted this beer with a reckless amount of Idaho 7 for optimal flavor and smooth bitterness. Follow the 105 down the beach and you'll be in El Segundo, or as we call it, hop heaven. Yeah, real quick, the uh, the 105 is, is the Glen Anderson Freeway. It was originally called the Century Freeway. It runs from basically El Segundo to uh, Norwalk, Um you know, down in Southern California, runs east to west. They're gonna, they're gonna say Norway. And it goes all the way to Norway. Fuck, you just also how long need is this a, road? an all-terrain sort of car. <laughs> that's not what I mean. What is the what I'm looking for? Like a car that's also a boat. What do you call those? Oh yeah, what is that? Not like, all-terrain, uh, like a you know, trans, amphibious, like an amphibious car. Yeah, or like a trans surface. Yeah, ingestion. I don't know. That's I like where you're going. We could we could come up with some good branding here. Hell yeah. Uh, another fun fact, it's called the Glenn Anderson Freeway. It was renamed that in 1994 for the Democratic California politician who advocated its construction. Very fun. Oh, it's even more fun to drink it. Okay, so you've poured it, you've tasted it, so I'm not going to get any reaction to the pour because you've already done it, so people will have to rely on me for that. In fact, for the process of drinking beer, I'm going to tell you what it looks like when you open it and pour it first uh, before you tell me what it tastes like. So I am raising my, <laughs> my sore left arm, which we'll talk about in Hot and Bothered, so I can see this thing. And you can almost hear it pouring, I bet. Glug, 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 uh, it, glug, glug, You know glug, what? Glug, glug, glug. It, it looks a lot like um, our first beer. Granted, a little bit yellower um, mm-hmm. and a, not hazy or anything. But yeah, it looks it looks more like an IPA. Um, you said 7 point what? 7.1. Yeah, okay. So I'm not looking for that light sort of uh, crushability right now. I'm looking for hoppiness. And it's Idaho yeah. 7. They got a lot of dirt in Idaho. I'm expecting <laughs> earthiness. God, if that's not a bumper sticker before I die. Maybe that's our next t-shirt. It's not the worst a lot idea. Of I've dirt had. In Idaho. A lot of dirt, you know? Oh man, I wish I knew what episode that was. If any there any loyal, loyal sort of longtime listeners that could figure out what episode Johnny said that in, that would be that would just tickle me pink. So <laughs> And it's funny because you can't bring up a beer with Ida with the Idaho seven no. hop in it without referencing. Yeah, that. it'd be irresponsible, I think. It would. It'd be would be bad. um okay so i've described what it looks like more or less i guess very also briefly Uh, a little bit ahead looks like a standard ipa uh nothing too insane i haven't smelled it or tasted it johnny you have done both what have you smelled with your nose and tasted with your mouth well it's nice and bright and it almost smells a little citrusy and it definitely smells hoppy it's got a strong hop nose and uh it smells like it's going to be delicious and guess what it is it's a little fruity but it's a lot bitter. It's got just a lot of that Idaho seven, man. It's, and like I said, there's a lot of dirt (laughs) in Idaho, man. And like, there's a lot of earthiness in this beer, which I really like. It's just got this, it's a mild aggression of bitterness. I would say, I wouldn't say this is like aggressively bitter and just astringent. It's got a really pleasant, hoppiness to it like 
this is a excellent use of this hop in this style of beer. I think this is this is phenomenal. I really enjoy their beers, and this one is is absolutely fantastic. It leaves you wanting to drink it more, and I'm gonna say that this beer is in fact highly crushable. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Idaho Seven hops aren't typically used for super high bitterness. Um, they can. They got it's like a, got a pretty high alpha acid, if I remember right. But it's mostly used for dry hopping and, and aroma adding. Um, usually like tropical fruits, kind of citrusy stuff with some like piney resinous notes. So you get any of that? Sounds like you were pretty much getting all of that. Yeah, yeah there's definitely. And then it doesn't linger in the bitterness. It kind of evens out a yes. little dry finish, but it doesn't leave like a bitter, crazy aftertaste in your mouth, which is is very nice. That's the part that makes you want to keep drinking it. It also makes me want to eat like something salty. Like yes. Pretzels would be so bomb with this beer. Yeah, it does have that sort of sweetness that is is it's a citrus sweetness for sure, at least what I'm tasting, but it's not so much of that like um pithy kind of orange. It's more of like a really sweet tangerine kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um and I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that I liked the other beer that had Idaho 7 that we've been joking about. Um I just think I don't love the hop cuz I don't like this beer very much. Yeah, and um characteristically when it comes to hops that are heavy on the terra firma, yeah. you're not the biggest fan. I'm, I'm really not. The, the earthy notes like the Amarillo, you're out, man. Yeah, I don't like it. And or the, the uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Azaka, Azaka too. I guess it's just and, yeah, you know. And those are some of my favorite hops and some of my favorite tasting notes, so it makes sense that I would be really into the beer and you would be a bit more meh. Yeah, I've only had one sip at this point um, because in case uh, there are new listeners, I'm not that factual about hops off the cuff. I looked that up, so that's what I was doing, but I wanted to make sure um, all of that was correct. So yeah, but so I'm gonna have another sip, but like off the off the cuff, not not my favorite thing so far. You're so transparent, Max. You cannot tell a lie. You're like the goddamn George Washington podcast. <laughs> I think the thing that's becoming more transparent is like how often you call me out on being transparent. Like you, you tell me I'm not lying. You tell the people I'm not lying so often. Like that's the new level of transparency of the show. Like every time I, I say so. something honest, you're like, you're so honest, which yeah. is kind of nice. That's true. That's true. We're the most honest podcast in beer. Yeah. And in the, in the, in the spirit of honesty. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I don't like it. It's mm-mm. No, Ugh. I don't like it. Sorry. I, lo- I, I love it. I would come over and drink yours. This has everything I want. It's got that that burst of fruitiness that is immediately quenched by the dry bitterness that really drives this beer down the freeway. Mm-hmm. Nice. Maybe the 105 even. I don't know. Who knows? Beer segue for you right in your face. Uh, but I think it works, man. For me, this is a perfect marriage of that, that fruity note initially, but it doesn't stay fruity and juicy throughout. That would make me like it a lot less. I okay. love the amount of bitterness. I'm loving the flavors I get. This beer is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, mine, I'm sure yours is probably the same. I'm sure you got them around the same time, but mine's uh, March 11th. It was canned, so five weeks or so. So still not old or anything, um, which is sometimes what I like to look for if there is one that I don't um I don't like a lot, but I like the brewery. But in this case, it's a fresh enough beer. I just don't like it. So I suppose, Johnny, is there anything you don't like about it? Um, minimal. Uh, not really. Right. I mean, it is real dry. Maybe a less dry finish. But, I mean, that's par for the course with this level of hoppiness. Sure, so, sure. I mean, if you wanted to make this a perfect beer, it has a less dry finish. And it's just crushable. And then... You'd only take one sip ever because the beer's just gone. But yeah. then that would just be irresponsible. Of if course. you made this beer perfect, people would be too drunk <laughs> and it wouldn't be good. Agreed. Um, okay. I suppose then let us get to our what will inevitably be inevitably be um pretty different readings. So yeah. you want to go first, you want me to. You want to start with the low or the high? Uh, I'm guessing. I, you're yeah. This beer uh, you go first and I'll just disagree okay and that's fine um so again it's a fine made beer um the reason it's going to be what it is is because i just don't like it and i think that's fine it's not like i'm saying this is the terrible it's the worst beer ever i i'm not i don't know i'm trying to justify my rating it's a four out of ten um i don't want to drink it again i'm not going to drink what i have left i just don't enjoy it i don't think it's a terrible beer but i just don't like it so it's a four out of ten well i think your mouth is broken sure and i think we're gonna drink this together again soon maybe, maybe not allergies not yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. I can hear that you can't taste right. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't come up until just now. Like we agreed on the first beer. So I don't know. And and up to this point, you'd be like, yeah, you wouldn't like this beer. It makes sense. But the moment I give you a four, you're like, I'm offended for this beer. Yeah. Because your well, rating is what? This is uh 
This is a 9.1. Fuck me. off with your nine. It's a 9.1. You like this more than the first one that by that much? By a whole point by six that percent? Much. It's got the body of an IPA, that robust, just, it's it's just, I like them a little bit thick. Okay, I bud? guess, And dude. this beer just slaps a little bit different, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's everything I'm looking for in this style of beer. It's, it is tailor-made for my taste, and it's a 9-1. This beer is tremendous. This is like two clicks of the dial, not as good as Mayberry, and I would love to put them side by side. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, Spike's Bottle Shop, four to five bucks probably? They were both like four bucks. Cool. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. If you like the Great flavors. Deal. That's right. You good on this beer? Yeah. I If you like beer that I am more partial towards, for sure, check it out. If you're definitely not digging like the earthy, yeah. uh, dusty floor bitterness, then uh, maybe stick away from this one and try the, the double dry hot pale ale. Totally. They're, All right. They're both good in their own way. Let's move in hot and bother. What do you think? Yeah. Thanks, El Segundo. You make great beer. Okay, hot and bothered. I'm going first. You ever heard of Dogecoin? Yeah, but I don't know what it is. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I'll keep this brief. Dogecoin is a cryptocurrency that was invented in uh, 2013, kind of as a joke by these two dudes who were kind of making fun of Bitcoin. And it started as like a like just a meme, and it was that stupid meme that was like Doge with like the Shibu Inu dog (laughs) on it, you know, like Doge's whatever. The internet being the internet decided this is no longer a joke. We wish to make this worth something. So from like the beginning of the year, it's gone up from trading at like 0.0002 cents per uh, per coin, as it were, um, to today being at, let me see, let me just get the most current, uh, about 30 cents, which is pretty Damn. pretty substantial. Um, that's an increase of about 15,000% in the past year. Um, and a few people... I believe friend of the show and patron Miyagi posted about it on Facebook and so did Raleigh, actually another patron. Um, and I was like, what's the deal with this? So then I basically, this is the short version, bought some Dogecoin for fun. Um, mm-hmm. Fun's a weird word because it is a bit like gambling. Um, and ever since I've just been watching this stupid stock app that I bought, but it's kind of fun. Uh, the main school of thought is like, don't invest money. You can't lose. So it's been interesting keeping up with like forums on Reddit who were like, I in- like people just be like, I invested you know, like $8,000 and only have $1,000 left in my bank account. Should I pull out now or should I keep going? And like, there's this whole movement of like, we got to drive the Dogecoin up to a dollar. Like, and then Elon Musk tweeted about it one time and that drove the price up. It's really wild and kind of fun to watch. Um, Mm -hmm. but very intense. So I put into that and that's been something that I've been glued to my phone about lately. It sounds a little bit like what just happened recently with GameStop. GameStop. It's very similar. Yeah. Very similar energy behind it. Well, Please keep us posted. If you become independently wealthy and we buy a new studio, <laughs> I would like to know. Yeah, you got it, man. Um, yeah, it's wild. Like hearing about people that bought it, like, cause that again, it was like 0.00, at least 0.002 cents. And then it wow. jumped up to like two cents or five cents. And like those people, like, I don't know. Cause like you could buy so many coins, it's gone up wild. So those people have tens of thousands of dollars. It's wild. Wow. That is wild. Um, so I bought mostly at like, I bought some at like 13 cents. And like some at like 20. Um, and it's up to 30 now. It hit a high the other day of like 48 cents. And I was like, we're going somewhere. I'm gonna be rich. And now Here it's been go, floating boys. at like 30 cents for a couple of days. I'm like, all right, I'll just sit and wait, you know, one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier as I was pouring my beer that my left arm was hurting. That's because I got my first shot of my vaccine today. So that's great. Um, I went up to the Walgreens in Paradise, which is a place I had never been. I got my first COVID test at the Rite Aid up there. A lot of medicine mm-hmm. coming out of Paradise, it seems. Um and it was so, so painless, this vaccine was, to yeah. the point where I thought maybe he didn't give me the shot. Like, I almost was like, hey, I think you missed or something. Like, your needle didn't go in. Uh, though, lo and behold. Can you go deeper? Like, can you just make sure it gets into my body? Um, is it in yet? And I can confirm it definitely is because I can't, I'm trying right now, uh, lifting my arm um, in front of my body hurts quite a bit in my shoulder. Um, yeah. But I figure a week where I'm suffering from allergies, uh, might as well get it. I'm already uncomfortable. So let's just do the whole thing. I'm going to take lots of naps over the next day or two. There you go. Drink water, nap, yep. maybe a Pedalite, some soup, rest. Yep. yep. Proud of you. Thanks for being a good citizen. Oh, heck yeah, man. Uh, you're you're two in, right? You're done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm over 10 days past my second, so I don't have to wear a mask at the office anymore. It's exciting. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. Okay, then very lastly, um, I have been sort of couch bound a little bit because these allergies and I haven't been... Um, you know, uh, gigging as much. And my wife's out of town. So I watched a series on Amazon prime called them. This is on your radar. 
right? Yeah, it is. And I'd love to to preface this with a text that I got from you. Oh, you should probably go both, huh? Both texts. What's that? You should probably say both yeah. texts. Yeah. Okay, if you want me to, I'll segue it with both texts. I'm going to so give the a first... full review, yeah. Okay, yeah, full review inbound. So the first text I got was, I'll paraphrase, dude, yeah. I'll watch whatever I just suggested to you. Yeah, it was the two distant watch... strangers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, the things I have to watch for you to watch two distant strangers is just growing. Yes. Um, but maybe not so much. Yeah. So I suggested that and you're like, as long as you watch them and I'm like, yeah, it's on my radar. Like I'm planning on finishing a show and then jumping into it. And he's like, good. And then I don't know the next day I get a text for sure. Skip them. Yeah. So something crazy happened within that 24 hours to make you go fully bad on that show. Yep. So please give us your full Amazon Prime series review of them. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's an anthology series and the first season follows what's well, created by a guy named Little Marvin, um which is I guess his real name. Um or maybe her name, I don't know. Um anyways, it's on Amazon Prime. It's a 10 episode series this first they say anthology series because this first one is called Them: uh, Colon Covenant. And it follows this family. It's in 1953. And during the second great migration, which was a time in American history where a lot of black families moved from the South to the North to get away from uh, Jim Crow laws and, and segregation, um, this family moves into Compton, which at the time was all white. And it is framed as sort of this horror. Um, no, it's framed 100% as this horror show. Um, it stars, not kidding, there's too long of a cast list. I won't spend too much time on this, but my basic thoughts or that it started off as this really promising thing. And this is when I had texted you this. I was like, you got to watch them. It's, it's inventive. It's really cool. Um, there's from a, from a cinematic perspective, there's a lot of stuff that feels pretty amateurish. Like um, Marvin does a lot of like split diopter shots, which are this sort of telltale sign of like, you're trying to show off. It's, it's like, we don't need to go into that now. Check out our Patreon. If you want to hear about that, that'll be when we do um, camera lenses. But the, the crux of why I decided to text you not to watch it is yes. that the amount of pain and trauma you have to watch this family go through over the course of the show does not end up being worth it. It feels pretty torture porny by mm. the end. It's just okay. like, like, and it could just be the year, like we've seen a lot of shit go down the past year. Um, I also was finishing this up when like the George Floyd verdict was coming out. Like there's just, I, I don't know that I have much of a, a palette for, um, black people being fucked up by white people, you know? Mm. Um, and there's so much of that in the show kind of also parallel with like ghost story type things, mm. which is a great forum to tell a story of, of systemic racism in America. Like it could have worked really well, but there's some really graphic stuff that I just didn't feel like was justifiable by the time the show ended. Like they tried to tie it up really quickly. And it was like, I had to sit through all of that just so you could kind of close it that way. Um, like if I'm going to make me see it through that, you need to like, it has to have a payoff. It doesn't pay off at all. I mean, it does a little bit, but like there's so many un, unfinished threads that like, I don't know. It just feels like they bit off more than they could chew. Um, so instead I'm going to turn back to Lovecraft country on HBO max and keep watching that. I watched two episodes of that this week. Um, nice. but I would say, yeah, if you're considering watching them on Amazon prime, I would say skip it. Fair enough. Anyways, that's what's uh, been going on in my life. What about you, man? Right on. Well, the thing that I suggested that you watch or that maybe I mentioned that like I'm in the middle of and then I'm jumping from this to them, yeah. which now I'm yeah. not. Right. So there's there's room for me now to pick a new series, but that's neither here nor there. That's my cross to bear. I'll figure out what I'm going to watch. Sure, next. sure. Uh, what I just finished. This is my official review without spoilers because I want Max to watch it of the HBO Max original series Made for Love. It stars Kristen Milioti and mm. Ray Romano and Billy Magnuson. Yeah. Uh, I totally dug this. It's this really dark comedy, and I will read you just a brief synopsis. A woman is on the run after 10 years in a suffocating marriage to a tech billionaire who has implanted a monitoring device in her brain, allowing him to track her, watch her, and know her emotional data Ew. as she tries to regain her independence. Gross. This is one of the most original and crazy dark comedies I've ever seen. Just, it's like a dark sci-fi comedy, but it's also such this deep commentary on how ingrained technology is in our lives because a lot of the ridiculous shit that happens in this 
does not seem that far fetched. Yeah. And that alone makes this feel like a little icky. And um man, I just loved Kristen Miliotti in this. And Ray Romano plays her father, who is in love with a uh, as it's called in the show, a synthetic partner. Whoa. Uh sex doll. Oh. Yeah. Synthetic partner sounds much more sophisticated. Yeah, well, it's it's crazy because the relationship that Ray Romano has with this doll is complicated. Like her, like that movie uh, with Joaquin. Phoenix? A little, a little bit, man. Like mm-hmm. he's taking her out to dinner and stuff. Is it a physical? Is it a physical body? Like it's an actual sex doll? Like in, it's not like a VR thing. No, it's like a full on synthetic, like head to toe <sighs> replica of a person. Does it look like a person or does it look like a doll to the audience? No, it uh, like it's an actress. No, it's a it's a doll. Ooh, like it's a fake thing that's cool. in the yeah. Cool. It's but this thing has layers, man. There's layers of like love gone awry and the the need for technology being pervasive in our lives to a yeah. damaging degree. Like there's so much relevant commentary in this. I mean, it touches on like mental health and and trauma and so many things. I think it was just such a well-written and well executed and honestly really pleasing to look at series yeah. that I think it's excuse me um a must watch I really I really enjoyed it and it's it's in really digestible like 28 minute little chunks and there's only like 8 or 9 of them like okay. we watched this over the course of like two or three nights yeah uh and then then you're done and it's it's good so uh, I'm going to give this a pretty strong recommendation and I think if you need a break from Lovecraft Country and want to get into something uh, a bit more straightforward, but also still a bit out there. Check out Made for Love. Cool. HBO Max, you said? Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Also, it's not in my notes, but uh, one other thing that's got me hot, and we just talked about it, is that the announcement just came that Ted Lasso Season 2 oh drops this God. July. Yeah. So stoked for I that. Wait for I wait I love how much we love that show together. I know. Let's have a, did I tell you this? We should have a watch party? Uh. Did you didn't tell me that, but I am fucking so in. I have shows I that Friday and Saturday, but that if you want to wait till Sunday, I'm super down. I'll wait for you, baby. Perfect. Let's do it. That's like yeah, It'll it's like late so July. Yeah, July like twenty eighth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Let's order a pizza. Let's get some good beers. Let's snuggle up on the couch. We'll all be vaccinated. Deal. I'll give you a real hug. It'll be great. That will be great. Cool. So, and if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, it's worth getting Apple TV Plus yeah. because it's the best show ever. It's so good. It's so good. So good. Okay, what else you got? My last thing is a bit of a bothered. Oh. All right. Oh, Man. oh, that's what that means. People are talking in the movies. Yeah. Sure. People talking in the movies. I've been to two movies this year. And it took till the second trip mm-hmm. for me to have to have words with with some people. I I was hoping it would take a little bit longer. So me and Shalina went to see in the land, in the earth, whatever the hell this episode's called. In the earth. I keep wanting to call it in the land. I don't know why. I don't know either. But anyways, um, in the earth. And at the time I bought the tickets, it was us and two other people. Mm-hmm. And between that time and the time we sat down, three delightful young high school boys bought three seats, uh, two rows in front of me because there's the gap yep. row, yep. and like five seats to the right. Yeah. And when I say I got the vibe that they were going to be a problem as soon as they walked in, I'm, I'm not joking. I was immediately like, all right, this is going to be a thing. Why? What happened? So they, they walk in and, um, they, they get to their <laughs> seats. Disgusting. Honestly. I hate them. Just walking in. What with else? Shoes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Faces. yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, they sit down and proceed all three of them to just start vaping like aggressively. Can you vape? In in, can you do that? No. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. But also, like, one of them, like, vaped aggressively and then turned around and made a point to make eye contact What in, like, a my dad's a lawyer kind of way. In the same volume that you and I are having a conversation, not one or two of them, but all three of them maintained a steady flow of stream of consciousness dialogue Mm. for a solid 45 minutes into this movie. You didn't say anything up to 45 minutes? I was being real patient. I was, well, because they were like a special kind of not cool that like 
I was seriously like, how do I do this without this like escalating? Uh-huh. Because I I'm not in that business. Like I don't need to fight high school kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm 35 <laughs> years old. Like, what the fuck? So I'm like, how how do I do this? Mm-hmm. Like, this is getting ridiculous. But it, and it got to the point where the movie was getting really good. And so I just leaned forward in my seat and I said, "Hey guys, I'm kind of enjoying this movie. I think it's interesting, and I would really appreciate it if you didn't talk." literally the whole time at a disrespectful volume. That's what you said? Yep. Like almost verbatim. What'd they say? And nothing. Didn't even look back. And uh, best case scenario. Did they stop talking? Piped the fuck down. Yeah. Quickness. son. I was like, dude, did I just have to like bust out my uncle Johnny voice at you? Yeah. Like I'm talking to my brother's dumb kids. Like I haven't met my brother's dumb kids in years. Like, <laughs> sister's dumb kids. I know them better. Anyway, sure, you great. dumb kids. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was straight up just like, man. I get it. You got anything else today? Um, I think that was it, man. I've talked for a long time. All right. Then the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey, Minardi, all of our friends on Patreon, at the Commons, and the Handlebar. That is Johnny Summers. That is Max Minardi. We love you guys. Drink good beer, watch good movies, and most importantly, be good to each other. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.